0: Welcome to the Government Ops Podcast. I'm Rob Anderson, City Manager of the City of Fairborn,
1: And I'm Megan Howard, Communications Manager for the City of Fairborn, and we are the hosts of the Government Ops Podcast.
0: So you may ask yourself, what is the Government Ops Podcast? And really, it's trying to give everybody an overview of the different city departments, uh, what those departments do, what programs we offer, what services we have here. Uh, we're really excited to have folks understand and learn what we do as employees. I think there's a lot of questions that we get about our operations and what uh, what exactly we're doing at times. Uh, Some of those are positive questions, some are a little different, but uh, we want to really excited to share kind of not only the departments, but also the people that we have, uh, the wonderful folks that do everything on a daily basis.
1: So if uh, you're ready for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, So let's get this episode.
0: Hello and welcome to the Government Ops Podcast. I'm Rob Anderson, City Manager.
1: And I'm Megan Howard, Communications Manager.
0: And we're here with Chris Barker who's our Parks and Recreation superintendent. And today we're going to talk about Parks and Recreation. I guess it's a good thing you're here, Chris, for yes, talking sir. about that topic. Uh, so we'll give you a little bit of everything with regard to parks. We'll talk about all that that encompasses, everything that the parks folks do. And it's probably more than you would think. Uh, when you think of just Parks and Rec, you think just of parks. Uh, but here, we're in Fairborn, we have quite a bit more that our we ask our Parks and Rec folks to take care of. So Chris will go over that. We'll talk about some of the fun stuff that we get to do, which may not be as fun for Chris as it is for Megan and I, which are events <laughs> and different programs, and then talk about some of the special things that make us unique here. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's talk just really briefly about what our part, what what encompasses Parks and Recreation for us.
2: Well, the city, uh it's basically that we take care of over 22 parks there's over 750 acres of land that we maintain Um, also what is unique to me is that uh, we encompass plant maintenance so what that means is we service all of the city facilities uh, all the other departments we take care of their buildings Uh, it's four fire stations the police department the court and we also have a cemetery division so we we have four Uh, cemeteries in the city, one of them is still active. That is Fairfield, so we're still actively uh, burying people. And uh, there's a lot that we do, and uh, I'm very fortunate to be here to see it all because I think we do a very good job with the limited staff that we have.
0: I don't disagree at all of that. I think that's a very fair statement. Uh, We do an excellent job with the staff that we have maintaining everything that we have to take care of. It's interesting you said plant maintenance, that's more than just plants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's actual building. So in some ways, you're a landlord. Yes. Uh, so if, let's say if at a fire station, if there's a bulb that goes out in a building, who gets the call? We do. Yeah. So.
2: And we have uh, two full-time employees that are dedicated to plant maintenance and two full-time employees that are dedicated to parks and park maintenance, and then one's full-time cemetery sexton. And and then in a typical year, we employ 15 to 17 seasonals to help out with that. And I was a little remiss that I didn't mention that we have uh, always have active softball and baseball going on. We have five softball fields at Fairfield Park and two at Community Park. And uh, so that's a full-time job in itself. We run men's leagues, uh, youth uh, girls' fast pitch, and uh, tournaments, even to uh include cricket tournaments
0: wow (laughs) that's quite a bit i mean that's makes me tired just thinking about all that
2: yeah uh the unique thing about cricket is they want all the bases removed and so we have to reestablish all the bases back when we go after cricket tournament but it's it it creates a uniqueness that i don't think other cities have
0: speaks to our diversity as a community i think when we talk about the different desires of our community, what they want to do in our parks, it's reflective of who we are. Uh, let's talk a little bit. I'm sorry, Megan. Yeah, I was going
1: to say, like, we've got a lot of things within our park system that a lot of communities around us don't have. And I'm not, it's not a knock on the other communities. We just have a very unique system within our, our community of, of what is at our parks. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about just some of the unique things at some of the parks that we do have?
2: Well, the first and foremost, uh, Oaks Quarry. It's kind of like, uh, as Rob says, it's like walking on the moon a little bit. It's, you know, a, a neat place. There's a lot more that we could do there. There's a lot that we do do as far as with programming. I think today we actually had a program out of Oaks Quarry, but it's a unique park. I've not seen a lot of formations like that around here. Um, a couple years ago, we installed a fitness court at Central Park, and that is the same location of our splash uh, pad. So we got a little bit to offer at Central Park that we don't, you know, offer in other places. There's also chess tables there. So and we do have a dog park, and it gets used very frequently. Um, we also have a pickleball court that we installed a couple years ago, and I was amazed at the, the need and the want for the pickleball court.
0: It's and quite I a think if we floor. could
2: put another one in, they would probably appreciate that too. Okay. And as far as I know, from what I'm being told, that our disc golf course is not only one of the most difficult in the area but it's one of the ones that they really like because of it being difficult like that forest has bad trees that are downed everywhere and all they want us to do is just barely clear an area to get through they love the obstacles so
1: interesting and it's state ranked correct yes which is really cool i mean and a lot of people i don't think know we even have a disc golf course Mm -hmm. at community park because it's i mean it's in the woods and if you didn't know it was there you know, you you could just be walking through the woods, and all of a sudden, the, the geographic layout
2: of that park and the elevation change, and how far back that bottom section is, yeah. is a lot of people never go back that far. Okay.
1: And we have a lot of things for you know families to do, like with kids, but also even adults, because we have fishing areas at mm-hmm. Community in Oaks Quarry, yep. uh, and there's also horse riding at Oaks Quarry. Is yeah, that correct? There's
2: horseback trails. Yep. Yeah
0: the one of the challenges that a lot of communities have with parks recreation is having parks for especially we're a very fairly large city geographically in terms of we're 14 square miles we're not necessarily a square or in symmetrical shape having parks in each area for people is a challenge but we seem to have that like there seems to be something for everybody no matter what neighborhood you're in you can get within a park in just a couple minutes and there's usually something you can do there
2: yep i i lived i've lived in well i had lived in fairborn for 20 plus years and until i came to work for the parks department there was two parks that i never even knew existed because of the location of them they're Or you know, Shawnee Park and Tecumseh Park are basically in the backyards, surrounded by homes, and there's there's signage. But if you're not paying attention, you go right by them. And one of them has got a really fantastic jungle gym, and there's shelters at both. It's we're unique that we have so many parks and we're versatile like that.
1: And I don't look. We have you know two fairly newer ones with Garland uh, and Valley View. that are more wetland wetland kiss and you know we partner with uh, bw BW greenway Greenway for those and um you know i think that's that's another different aspect that we have to offer is we just don't have playground parks we Mm -hmm. actually have other ones that that are more educational and you know can offer the valley view one is really neat they've got a, a, a educational trail educational
2: trail yeah the hawks trail and there's signage as you go along you you know it kind of lets you know what and uh we're working with bw greenway to extend that and it's called valley view 2 and basically it's on the other side of dayton Yellow springs road and that'll be a trail with an observation to look out over the marsh and they were hoping to get a bridge to cross the creek so that the residents on the other side could walk across a pedestrian bridge
0: so that you can really break parks recreation down into a couple different things there's what I'll call active recreation. We'll get to that in a second. But what we've really been talking about is more passive recreation, where go at your own pace, you know, go as you want to go. We are really blessed with a lot of beautiful wetland areas that we've worked with partners to acquire and maintain over time. Uh, it's just a unique, I think we're just so unique, it's hard to quantify any one thing that's great. I think we have so many good things, it's really hard to pinpoint one.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: agree. Let's talk a bit now about the active recreation side. So when we do have events and things like that, we program. So we want to make sure that our folks that maybe want to have some type of a program, we put a lot into, into programming, both in our parks and with partners. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the things that we do there.
2: Well, we've tried to uh, get programming for all ages because primarily what we had done in the past was a certain little group of the younger kids, the preteens, and I think one of the good things that came out of COVID was that we had to do some remote programming, and that opened some out-of-the-box thinking, which entailed boxes. So we made activity boxes, which were well-received, and we started doing an older group. And, you know, we, we're gonna, I think we're going to continue that even when we go, you know, when we're past the pandemic. Uh, but what we had done was we have a mobile rec, and we had partnered with the YMCA to do it, and we would go to different parks every week, right. and that was more driven toward the youth. But uh, Molly's done a good job about bringing in the older kids. Now they're not as well received because they're preteen or teenagers. But you know, the ones that we've had have said they really enjoyed what we're doing.
0: Talk expand a little bit on the mobile rec. So we identified a need in some neighborhoods where folks maybe wanted some programming in a park. What does mobile rec do for that? How do how do we well, that the, the premise
2: behind it is that it's it's a old box truck that has uh, yard games and different type of activities and the the premise was is that not a lot of people could get their child to our park to actually have the program there at the park sure. so we would bring the fun to them and we would try to pick parks that were you know Located around more of the residential setting, that way they could the kids could walk. You know, there was not you don't have to t- physically take your child and drop them off. You could kind of be there with them.
0: Wow, uh, what a great idea! I mean, that's yeah. a good bringing the park to you almost is a, exactly. something that's that's fantastic. Talk about some of the other uh, you mentioned all ranges of ages. So we not only do stuff for kids, there's programs for adults, and talk about maybe how we've partnered with some of our local businesses on things for adults i know for example i think we do something downtown with a local artist yes uh, those uh, types
2: we, we partnered with a local artist that does pottery and painting and we actually have the classes at her at her place um i know we, we've been working on ones for like uh the older kids for basketball tournaments tennis tournaments stuff like that sure. to try to bring that in
0: uh, you mentioned the ymca mm-hmm what coordination do we have with them what partnerships if any are they uh, how are they part of our recreation stuff that we do
2: uh, they they kind of come to us with ideas on stuff they would like to do but really don't have the resources or the manpower so we've tried to incorporate some of the things that they would like to do within encompass and what we do and a lot of times we'll try to do that at central park which is you know right there where their facility is at to try to make it easier for them And kind of help them get more people involved with the
0: Y. So it's not a competition thing. We're not trying to compete against the Y. We're really trying to enhance what they already provide the community. Yes, I
1: think one of the cool things that we did with the Y was when the fitness court first opened. You know, pre-COVID. Yeah. (laughs) um, You know, they would have classes out there, and it it was a really good, uh, you know, partnership in that regard because the fitness court was being used. It was being seen being used, and it really helped. Uh, to increase the awareness that it was there not only with their members but within the community and I, I know from the people that i've talked to at the y whenever they would do a class out there it was you know they really enjoyed it yes. um i don't know if that has changed since covid because of protocol and i know they're not doing as much i,
2: but I don't know how much organized uh, activity goes on there but i know there's a lot of activity yeah. there
0: let's talk about a couple of other partners that we work with we have a local library branch in town that happens to be in a building that we own and maintain. Um, Talk about our partnership with the library, some of the stuff that I know with COVID, everything kind of got thrown off track.
2: Yeah, we would, uh, whenever we would have an event that we would, uh, as a city would host, we'd always try to get the uh, library involved with their bookmobile or part of our kids zone that we would do. Um, COVID kind of, you know, put a damper on that, but uh, the library has been wanting to expand more. They have a new uh, director coming on board And they're wanting to promote more uh, activities outside of the library. So I believe they're working on getting a uh, new bookmobile, and they want to have like a uh, kind of a party in their parking lot with games and food truck this summer or this fall.
0: Great, that's fantastic. Um, Let's talk a little bit about you mentioned chess boards being at Central Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the partnerships that we tried to what we created before COVID that kind of got derailed with everything else was leaning more into chess. Uh, I'm not a chess player. I, you may be, I, no, sir. I'm not smart enough, but, <laughs> uh, talk about that partnership and how we've able to leverage uh, a little bit of what the schools are doing to kind of help our parks.
2: Yeah. Uh, so that was a, uh, another kind of a thing with the why, but it was really driven by one of the, uh, advisory boards. I think it was park foundation that kind of helped out with the financial and doing the legwork. And, uh, so the why was really interested in it, so that's why we placed it at Central Park. Um, I know that, the, that it was received really well, and we've gotten you know, questions of where else could we put one. Sure. So uh, I know it gets used for chess, but I know it gets used for picnic because of the proximity to our uh, splash pad. So I, I can foresee us putting another group of them in another park somewhere in the future
0: you mentioned the parks foundation let's talk about we have two citizen boards really one is a board that's appointed by our city council the other is a private board that both really kind of help us Mm -hmm. with our park rec activities uh the parks foundation let's talk about the park rec advisory board first how to kind of what is their role when it comes to parks how have they been able to lend a hand or at least uh, help you in what you guys are trying to do uh
2: the board uh has been very good when we have questions or stuff that we would like to bring before we bring it to the citizens we want to kind of bounce off them because 90 percent of them are you know been lifelong citizens of the city so it's good feedback Um, they do assist along with foundation uh, all of our special events they volunteer for them Uh, park advisory board uh, goes through and does park inspections once a month so they kind of divvy up the parks And they'll go through and kind of do like an overall it's just another set of eyes that that, that we don't see and then they'll give us feedback on things they see where they can see areas of improvement or stuff that's damaged or broken so we can get repaired
0: and there's always spots available on that board it seems like so if anybody listening to this as a Fairborn (laughs) resident wants to be on the Parks Rec Advisory Board we'll certainly take your application because all that helps I mean it's you know the another set of eyes and ears out there to see what's going on certainly can't hurt Correct. Uh, the Parks Foundation is a separate board that was established. Talk about their role, and they've done some amazing things in our parks uh, with funding and with put yes. certain projects. Talk about what they do and how we work with them.
2: Yeah, you said that, right? The Foundation has been more of the uh, silent partner on a lot of the programs and projects we like to do. And uh, they're, they've been great with a lot of ideas on their own, but we come to them with ideas, and they're kind of like the... One holding the, the purse strings for us, but they've been very well to give us. They always give us donations when we ask, and them, along with the board, always volunteer. But yeah, the foundation uh, has kind of been uh, the money backing for us on some of our projects where we needed a little push to kind of pad our budget.
0: So they've helped us when we may not have had the money in the city budget. Correct. They've been there with private funds to help do some things in our parks, which I can't overstate how important that is because, you know, they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. Yes. So let's get to the fun stuff. We, we, (laughs) before we get into events, we do a couple other things that we may have talked about. We do a farmer's market. Yes. Uh, Talk about our farmer's market, how that's grown a little bit over the years, and what are some of the offerings that we have?
2: So the farmer's market uh, originally was uh, ran kind of like late march early april until november and we would host it downtown and it was local growers and uh farmers and uh people that did like plants and stuff like that and we did that every wednesday um from uh 11 to 2. and now now we kind of morphed it into uh, we would always have a food truck one or two there every once in a while sporadically well now we've morphed it to the second and fourth wednesday of the month We'll have a night market, and it'll run from 3 to 7, and we'll have a food truck rally in conjunction with it. And I think the, the first couple times, it was a little sketchy on our part because we weren't sure how to handle the crowd. We, sure. The crowd was kind of overwhelming, but uh, we've kind of got our feet under us now, and for the last several weeks, it's been running real smoothly. We've kind of separated the farmer's market uh, from the food trucks a little bit from parking lot to parking lot. So people can come down and they can shop the local people, get great produce, great flowers, great plants, and they can also get dinner and we always have really good food trucks down there.
0: And some food trucks get some really long lines, depending on what they're selling. So
2: Yes, and we've been very fortunate that several of them have uh, given us donations. They did so really well that they felt like they should give back, so they've given us donations to go toward, you know, other programs.
1: Fantastic. That's fantastic. So on the opposite Wednesdays, it's just a normal... A, yeah, the, the right?
2: first and third is just your normal farmer's market, uh, du- you know, during the lunch hour, and then the second and fourth of the month is your night market with your food truck rally. Now, there's usually one food truck there on the normal market days.
1: And I know the community really likes it, you know, having the option to come at a later time. You know, I yes. know that you guys had always had, you know, suggestions thrown your way, and I would get suggestions and maybe even grumblings of why this isn't, you know, later in the day when people are off work and they can come and attend. So I think it's it's a really nice addition to what we already offer that, that we can extend the hours, and that our, our farmers are willing to make that adjustment yes. as well. And we've had some unique vendors this year. Uh, I personally like the Poppets Coffee guy. He has right. some really good coffee. But, <laughs> you know, we've had some some kind of ones that have always been there, and yet, you know, we seem to be getting new ones. And I think that's that's really exciting for us because it, it gives people, you know, more more reason to come uh, down and, and shop to see what else is there.
2: Yeah. One of the new ones that we were kind of leery about was there was a woman that came and she was selling uh, beef and pork and chicken. That was her. It was their own farm. Hmm. And she did so well the first time that she was like, you know, don't ever not let me come here. And she sells <laughs> out every week.
1: Wow. wow
0: yeah. That's fantastic. Yep. <clears throat> so before we get to the fun stuff, let's talk about funding uh, because... We want to make an important distinction here. There are a lot of parks and recreation departments and and, uh, places that are specifically funded by a tax or a levy or something like that. We want to set the record straight here. We have nothing like that in terms of dedicated funding that's been like a voted tax, anything like that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the funding and some of the challenges that's created because you know parks and recreation are funded out of the general fund so there's no uh dedicated you know this is going to be your money no matter what Uh, we've tried to supplement your revenue with hotel motel tax revenues in the middle of a pandemic when nobody's renting hotel rooms that makes a little bit of a difference (laughs) Uh, so talk a little bit about the challenge of that I mean you've put the budget together last year yeah Uh, you kind of know the challenge with you know not knowing what your revenue source is going to be yeah talk a little bit about that and how you manage
2: well, we always know that the funding is going to be limited and we try to always stretch every dollar as much as we can. Um, I know some of the equipment that we've had, we've kind of – we've always been the, the little kid on the block with regards to other departments, so we've gotten equipment and vehicles that are a little bit older. They've came from other departments, which we're fine with. I just know that uh, I need to budget more for repair services and the nature of, like I said earlier, uh, our seasonal influx of help. Uh, let's face it; a lot of these kids, this is their first job, and sure. you know they haven't done a lot of things. So we we really uh, get, I guess you would say, uh, intuitive or kind of. I don't want to say like we rig stuff up, but we're really careful on what we do and how we take care of stuff. And if we can kind of repair stuff on our own, we try to do that before we start buying stuff sure. and as far as with uh, the the office and the recreation part of it we're very thrifty we try to buy things that we know are gonna go for multiple programs and we can use it multiple times over if we have a surplus we try to incorporate that surplus into the next uh, program that way nothing's wasted
1: I think you know we always talk about having creative solutions to problems right. and you guys have some really creative solutions to some of the issues that you've come up with and you know for better for worse Mm -hmm. and I just I think that's you know just a testament to the people that you have working with you um, who are able to think outside the box and have the skills to then take those ideas and actually put them into the work that needs done Uh, you know just what you guys have done with the lights down at uh, main street commons and mm-hmm. you know making sure that they all are appropriately hyped and you know working all the time and just to watch you guys set up the christmas tree every year is a feat of ingenuity at times you know, well,
2: and uh, i've been very fortunate that the the, the small staff i have those the all those guys are really kind of the same mindset a lot of a lot of us are passionate about not only what we do but everything you know that goes on there so we sit down if we have something that we we know we can't afford let's try to figure out a way we can make it work and we'll sit down and we do this a lot we'll sit down and throw, throw out ideas right up on the board a bunch of ideas and nine times out of ten we'll all come together on something and usually it works out
0: <laughs> doing more with less has been a, something you guys have done for years there yes um Megan we can edit this part out if we feel it's not appropriate but let's talk a little bit about the legacy of our parks and recreation. So we had a long standing director, uh, Alicia Eckhart, who passed away before COVID, so mm-hmm. almost two years ago now. Uh, what legacy does she have in terms of parks and rec? If you can put that into words, I oh, know man. she is, you know, she kind of helped do that more with less, was always trying to figure out a way to stretch a dollar uh, in a very good way, and, and really got a lot done with the limited budget that you guys have talk a little about her if you don't mind
2: oh she was a driving force and it didn't matter if it was uh something to do with work or if we were gambling on an ncaa basketball game (laughs) she was going to figure out you know how she could win how we could do it but yeah she's been an inspiration to me and i've tried to carry that on but You know she came from a background where she had her own company so she knew you know she couldn't go over the line she had to stay under the line and she transcended that into our department and she instilled in all of us you know hey you know this might not be the easy way but it's going to be the right way yeah so i've tried to keep that you know that determination alive
0: our parks are the way we are our parks are the way they are because of alicia
2: absolutely yeah
0: I thought of you know if we're going to talk about parks and recreation in fairborn you can't have that conversation without no. at least mentioning her indelible mark that she put on our parks and just what we've done
1: well and i think you know especially for you guys being around her day in and day out uh you know just her her passion and her drive sometimes good and sometimes maybe frustrating <laughs> right <laughs> but you know, again, it's the saying: as the leader goes, so goes the rest of the team. And, oh, absolutely! You know, when you're around somebody like that, you know, just it just kind of bleeds over. And you guys have done an incredible job in the midst of all of that last year to uh, carry that that forward and to not miss a beat when to be honest, you would have had every right to do so. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that that's a testament to her but also a testament to, to the rest of you.
2: And, and that was a strange thing with how that happened because right after that happened uh, is when the country basically locked so, down yeah. and yeah. everybody went home. But, you know, we still had to, you know, the fire departments were still up in the police and you just can't walk out of these facilities and leave them. So we had to stay here, you know, on you know we took turns that way nobody was going to be in you know cross contaminated the other person but yeah we we continued to work and it was weird it was probably one of the weirdest times of my life it just felt like groundhog day every day you know and you know the garage stayed open so we were in constant contact with them and uh, it was definitely a, a learning time and it was I don't want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I, don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that anybody wants to do that again, nor do we want it to happen yeah. uh, for you guys. So.
0: And Megan's right. You guys adapted really well and kept doing the work. I mean, which is really in that situation all you can do. Right. All right, let's talk about the fun part, Chris. This is, all right. you know, a few years ago we transitioned. Uh, I didn't say transition. We added some responsibilities on the parks department. Uh, with wanting to do more activities and events um, I think we've added five or six I think events that happen primarily downtown uh, with a few exceptions talk about some of those things that we've started to do and what the parks and rec role is in most of those things
2: uh, I remember when I started uh, which was in 2014 uh, we had the 4th of July the parade and all that fireworks and then we kind of like lulled into sweet corn, which is at the end of the, end of August, and then we kind of had a lull to the horse parade, tree lighting, and then it seemed like you know we added some more. And I mean, it really it still isn't that. I mean, we enjoy it. I know we grumble about it, but we enjoy it. And I think we, you know, all of us have a good time. Um, the behind the scenes stuff is where it's like the, like I tell these guys, these events will usually run theirself during the event sure it's the lead up to the setup and the tear down and uh public works has been very gracious over the last couple years to you know allow us to have some help and uh i don't think we could you know continue to do it to where it looks 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 like everything's you know it's organized chaos and i I think without the help from public works it would be a lot harder on us but uh uh, the guys the guys grumble about it but uh, deep down i think they enjoy it because you know at the end of the day it is a good time i mean sure. all the stuff we do is a really good time we always have good music uh, always have good food and it seems like the residents really enjoy it
1: well I'm, i mean to your credit none of these would happen without you i mean like <laughs> right. uh, we have the ideas i make it you know known to the world these are happening but yet I can tell people there's going to be a concert but if there's not a stage if there's not a band if there's not uh you know food trucks and and all the other things they're making sure people are safe and in the right areas that doesn't happen and so that falls on you guys to make sure that everything is set up and ready to go and you know at that point without our our parks and now public works uh, individuals setting it up these don't happen. Yeah. Right.
2: And that's another Alicia legacy that's not really well known is she knew how to make those contacts and create those relationships with people, and she was always trying to teach us. She was, you know, she was a teacher. She taught at Ohio yeah. State, right. so she, she brought that with her. She couldn't not teach. Sure. So she made sure that all the support, me included, were in those meetings, and we made those contacts, and we established those relationships. So now that she's gone we still have those relationships so uh you know i got a great staff i mean sure that's all i have to say i got a great staff
0: so let's go through them i want to talk about each of our events because i want to make two things i want to give credit where credit is due for those events that we do but the second thing a lot of the stuff a lot of events we support but don't necessarily have the uh, aren't the driving force behind them so let's start with the ones that we do first the ones that are solely our events Mm -hmm. Uh, we started a new one a couple years ago St. Patrick's Day let's talk about that
2: St. Patrick's Day so uh, that one was a new one for us because that was a uh, admission event you had to pay to get into the uh, event and that was pre our uh, our fora was established so we had to create a beer garden and so I was trying to think of the best way with the location to do it and what what caught my eye was a construction area construction zones they put up those big fences to keep people out and i thought well you know it's it's really easy on the eye you can see through the fence it's not like a wall so i thought why not uh, buy a fence so that's what we ended up doing i ended up going and it's it's funny that's it's dog kennels so i bought every dog kennel I bought every dog kennel that rural king in this area had and uh so we we made our own sandbags we met, bought our own feet so we created an actual uh beer garden an event garden and then um that one was a big one because that was one that we we kind of that was we don't have a whole lot of planning on that. it was right. kind of like spur of the moment and we pulled it off but we we closed the street we closed main street down for the whole weekend because they built the tent in the street so i I thought, I was amazed, I still am amazed that we pulled that off as seamless as we did. So like
1: Six weeks? Six, four, six weeks that we? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, six weeks we talked about it and within like about a four, four and a half week period, mm-hmm. we marketed, got everything done and you guys figured yeah, it and out.
2: When you involved the radio station and right. you know, <laughs> you can't tell them no, so we, we made it happen.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned that iHeartRadio was our partner on, on uh, St. Patrick's yeah. Day and, and that happened, I'll never forget, it happened in a meeting that I was in with uh, somebody from the radio station. And we were not in that meeting to talk anything about an event. <clears throat> it was more talk about advertising for some of our other events that we were already doing. And it was mentioned, you know, we don't have a location for St. Patrick's Day. Would you guys want to host it? And of course, you know, I don't know anything about hosting events. <laughs> I was like, I sure, why not? <laughs> right on, let's do it. So uh, kudos, you're right, about six weeks is about what it took to put that together. And I know it was a, a furious six weeks but Mm -hmm. that first event it even snowed that day if you remember
2: yeah that was what was wild because i believe it was a sunday and saturday was absolutely beautiful the sun was shining there wasn't a cloud in the sky and uh, they set the tent up we had everything ready to go for that early morning start and then that day was miserable
1: (laughs) so you mentioned fora can we explain that just in case people aren't aware of what fora is we might let you do that. I'll so. do it. If, yeah. So we'll talk <laughs>
0: about what fora. So we named ours fora, but it's typically called a dora, a designated outdoor refreshment area. We chose this to take an area of downtown and create a dora uh, that would allow permit holders, alcohol permit holders in that area, to serve beverages in a designated cup that could then be taken around within that boundary of that fora it's a controversial thing i mean there are some communities that have completely rejected those because of some fear of some you know negative side effects or secondary effects and not to say that we didn't have some concerns when we put this together but uh chris you 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 both have been chris may have both been downtown i haven't seen really anything negative maybe a little bit of trash that gets put in places it shouldn't uh, but i don't think it was the you know as bad as i think people feared yes. that it could have been and it really makes us unique i think well at least when we adopted it, it was something that was unique uh, other communities have since adopted them and have really had no problems with them but it so for events chris how does that help us or hurt us to have that forum in place
2: um i think it kind of helps us because we now we don't have to basically have a designated beer garden you know where i we, you still have to sell it in a designated area but we don't have to keep people in that area to you know enjoy their refreshment then that leads to that you know more people can not corral in one place and they can they're free to move around they can walk to if we have street vendors they can walk and see the street vendors they can walk and get something to eat and not worry about you know having to stay in that certain area
0: all right so St. Patrick's Day is in March let's forward then to I think this year was June we did a community movie night mm-hmm. which is something that we've typically done talk about how it was different this year and whether you thought it was more successful or less successful
2: yeah so we we used the same uh gentleman that had the blow up uh, movie screen that we'd used for um wolfstock and so what we did was we took an a, a abandoned parking lot that the city owns uh, i got the all the dimensions from him on what he needed for the setup of his screen and then uh, me and my staff went out and we laid out a parking lot kind of similar we tried to make it look like an old drive-in style because that's basically what it was and uh, I think for having that first event like we did I think we had a really good turnout I know some of the uh, office staff wished we would have had more because there was a lot of people could register online and say they were coming but then. You know the sure. time of they didn't show up and I think there was a little bit of let down there but me personally I think everything looked at, looked great I mean we had you know families blankets on the ground and that was something that we hadn't had the entire year prior so uh, everybody was happy that I talked to um, the, then again you know foundation and park board they had kept us volunteer because of yeah. our staffing issues and they that was great and uh, we got another one planned at the end of August
1: I know when when I had shared some information about it during the event there were a lot of people that were frustrated they couldn't make it or didn't didn't hear about it uh, in time and it, it surprised me how many people were more excited to see it happen than you know we're, were actually there right. um, but again I, I thought it was a great a great event and you know something that for this community who longs for the old drive-in that is in Bat Township that is no more you know it it just gives you something else to do if you don't want to go into a movie theater and it's you know a unique experience for kids that have never done that before yeah
0: you mentioned so another example of overcoming in the face of adversity Uh, you mentioned Wolfstock let's talk about that what is Wolfstock?
2: Wolfstock was uh kind of like a uh I guess you would say a, a music festival for pets. <laughs> so that was an event that we had downtown, um, where we had uh, we had music, and people were free to bring their dogs, and uh, then we showed a movie at the end of the evening.
0: Yep, Beethoven, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, Beethoven. Beethoven
2: was, yeah. So uh, that was another dynamic that we added because we were always used to just having like one one you know, main focus for our entertainment. And in, in that one, we took both sides of the road and kind of had the movie side on the on the west side and the, and the live band on the east side. So I think it worked out great. That was a, one of the events that I saw a lot more kids at than we'd had in prior events. Yeah. And I didn't see any issues with people and running dogs, not that I knew.
0: And you guys did kind of a creative thing. So you brought your dog, and then you would get a different colored band to put on their collar, that'd be on a leash. Yeah, you get a different color band to put on the collar, whether the dog was friendly, a little bit skittish, <laughs> or you know, stay away from me kind of thing. So I thought that helped a lot because mm-hmm. you could identify right away whether or not you could approach that dog. at the dog, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't, I don't know about. I mean, I know other people are happy at other events, but I remember Wolfstock. Like you couldn't help but smile because there were just dogs everywhere, right. and I mean, it was just, it was a really fun different type of event where we always have people bring their animals but yeah you know to have one that is for people with dogs you know and you're welcome to bring them it was just a it was a unique fun experience and looking forward to we'll stock again
0: and again that we'll take a two year layoff from doing that event we'll do it again next year in 2022 but we may have a few tweaks to it coming up next year and <laughs> maybe make it a little bit different to be a little more diverse than maybe we were before but we'll hold off on announcing those changes okay. and we'll tease that out a little bit <laughs> going chronologi- chronologically we just did june let's go to july this july 4th i'll say july 3rd and 4th are events that we don't necessarily uh, organize we help a lot and we do a lot during those days i uh, talk about the block party and then talk about the events of the fourth
2: okay so the july 3rd block party and the july 4th parade are uh, primarily uh, put on by a citizens' committee. And the city is just a support, kind of the boots on the ground. And um, so the block party, we're just – normally we just provide the, the tents, the chairs, we help with location, we help with setup, and we help with teardown. But it seemed like this year we did a lot, lot more. The committee was having some issues and we, we kind of picked up You know the pace that they had you know the deficiencies they had we kind of helped them out with that was far as with the stage and the sound and placement of all that and then uh the parade uh i had always been downtown for the parade because we set up a review stand for the judges and we set up the tents for the civic band and help with downtown bleachers and all that stuff so In years past, Alicia had been a parade lineup, and I thought, well, I should, you know, be a parade lineup this year. And I was completely amazed at the organized chaos (laughs) at the parade. And that was another event where uh, if it wasn't for the foundation and the park board volunteers helping with the parking and the lineup and constantly on the radio back and forth, uh, it wouldn't have went off as smoothly as it did.
0: Right.
2: So... uh, like I said that, that uh, we were fortunate to have them volunteers and fortunate that everything went well. I thought th- I thought the parade it seemed like it was shorter this year than but I think everything looked good. Um
0: it's always the hottest day of the year no matter I'm what.
2: I'm telling you. <laughs> And then so uh, with it being on a Sunday this year, it pushed the parade back. And usually uh, we have we have a, kind of a lull to set up with the event that we have that is a city event at uh, community park. So usually after the parade, we set up the stage. We have live music. We have food vendors at the park. And then in, at dark, dark, we shoot off the fireworks. But with this year, how late the parade went off, it mm-hmm. was it was we were crammed for time to get everything set up but i think uh, you know there right at the end when it got dark that that park was full
0: yeah people were definitely clamoring to get out and do things this year i yeah. think to the not to besmirch anything that the citizens group did they were kind of running treading a fine line because they weren't sure that the covid protocols were going to let them have an event to begin with so they really struggled i think because they had to do everything they normally do in a super condensed amount of time. So, I want to give them the credit that they they deserve. Uh, but I know that we've had a little bit of issue, or at least have uh, questioned at least for the block party. They used to bring uh, what I would call carnival rides down there. We've kind of put a, a somewhat stop to that for safety reasons. Uh, talk about, in your opinion, Chris? You know. Are there kids' activities to do in addition to that? If we don't do rides there, can there are other activities we could uh, bring forth and put down there.
2: Absolutely, and that's another partnership that the uh, library uh, always is looking for too. Is they usually at all, our, all of our city events? They have they have a kids area that they do games, uh, you know, for all ages. They do uh, book stuff. They bring the bookmobile. So I think you know we can provide uh entertainment for that 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 group you know without the need to have rides that you know comes with the all you know the dangers of having mechanical rides i think uh, you know between other vendors and the stuff that we do with our kids area currently in our events that i think we can we can satisfy that need
0: you can get a pony ride down there as well
2: true so
0: all right that's july let's go back to one of our events that we put on that we started about this will be our fourth time putting a fifth time putting it on fifth year but fourth year fourth time (laughs) sorry didn't you do it last year (laughs) clearly i'm not that good with these numbers (laughs) uh bluegrass and brew talk about that event and you know you've been here the whole time we've done it yeah talk about how you've seen it grow over the years since when we started to where we think we'll have this year
2: so that event when I first started, that event was called the Jazz Festival, and it was at, at Central Park, and I was labeled at Tent City because we would set up at least two dozen ten by ten canopies. and it was a nightmare on our group on our end, just the logistics of it and making sure that no one got hurt because you have that sure. much of an area under tent. So I was glad to see uh, it turn into bluegrass just for the simple fact that, man that's a great event i mean and the fairborn is fairborn a bluegrass town i mean you said that before and i think it brought out a lot of people that typically wouldn't come downtown for an event and i think they really had a good time and maybe that you know kind of opened their eyes of the opportunities downtown to do other things so um that's always been a great event for us it seems like it's always one of the busiest and i'm glad it's coming back
0: The first year that we put that together, I didn't really know what to expect, honestly. I knew that we would get a good response from it because I knew that we're a bluegrass town, like you said. I was overwhelmed at at how well that event happened. and Again, weather was perfect that day. It just seemed to be perfect. If you remember, at lunch that day, we got a huge rainstorm. It rained like the Dickens for 10 or 15 straight minutes, and it was... (laughs) hard hard rain and so it you know my i'm sitting having lunch thinking this is going to be a washout. it's going to be terrible (laughs) uh about one or two o'clock the sun came out and it just was a gorgeous day so i like to say we had to take a bath get ready for the party right so we took a shower we cleaned up our downtown and then we (laughs) held the event Uh, it's the first event chris where we've actually added a beer event to it Mm -hmm. um how has that been? Have we had any issues? It seems to, to go okay. Uh, but talk about from your experience how having a beer garden downtown makes a difference or doesn't, or what are some of the challenges?
2: Uh, like you said, when you were talking about for it, you know, people were really apprehensive about the whole idea. But I think it's been a good thing because you know those people wouldn't come out of those restaurants or out of those establishments you know, they would stay in there because that's what they wanted to do. Now they have an option where they can enjoy, you know, their beverage. Plus they got, you know, live music, you know, other things to go on. So I think it's been good for it. As far as from our standpoint, you know, the only thing that we see other than normal events is this, you know, there's more stuff in the trash. But, you know, that's, that's part of the game. So I think it's been a good thing.
0: And so this year will be our – fourth event Mm -hmm. over the fifth year uh i think it's going to be our biggest ever and it's not just bluegrass and brew there's food trucks there's children's activities the whole stuff that we normally Mm -hmm. do so something for everybody and that's always the first friday in august correct that's okay that's august let's get to september now we're adding an event this year that i think will also resonate well (laughs) in fairborn (laughs) and that's Mm -hmm. called hairborn uh I should have Mike Gephardt back on the podcast here because of his affinity for hair metal. Uh, talk about Hairborne and what we think is going to happen with Airborne this year.
2: Right, ha- Hairborne, uh, that's another partnering event. We're partnering with iHeartRadio. Um, with that brings, like you said, a lot of people. That's, that's, get, that's getting publicized to a lot broader area. Uh, we're moving that to a new location, which is a, an old uh establishment it's still a parking lot but it's going to be further it's going to be on the corner of Broad and main um the caveat is that it's the same day as the marathon
0: right so (laughs) does that add any complexity to the thing or does it it, make it easier it's
2: (laughs) a lot complex (laughs) because the marathon actually encompasses the entire you know it surrounds the entire area right so uh
1: you guys are just so good at challenges. I'm so. telling you. <laughs> this, <problem falling> <laughs> yeah,
2: this is gonna be a good one. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be great. Um, after you know, meeting we you know, we got some bands that I'm interested to see. So uh yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. we're gonna this is gonna be another paid event, you know, mission event. So we're gonna bring the construction fence back out and make us a little area for that. But yeah, I I'm looking forward to it.
0: So that's September that's also you mentioned the Marathon we're unique with regard to the US Air Force Marathon and that we're the only community where the Marathon actually comes off of Wright patterson Air Force Base property and comes into a city mm-hmm. uh, talk about what how that happens what's the it, it was really if you've never experienced it is completely unique I yeah. the first year I went didn't know what to expect and was floored and how awesome it was mm-hmm. to be downtown for the marathon talk about the fly zone as we like to call it
2: yeah it, it's it's amazing uh what goes on down main street i mean they came they come in with the banners and um it's it's definitely next level uh event that goes on right. down there and the, the amount of people they they bus people in uh there's a lot of competitors and uh it's really cool um my department really isn't involved a whole lot in that it's more of the the chaos of closing down all these streets sure but yeah uh they bring in refreshment stations and the street department builds these refreshment stations off of pallets at certain areas and uh there's a lot of moving parts to that event but it it seems to run smooth all the time
0: now megan you're a crazy i mean you're a runner Um, you've actually run through the marathon and the and talk about your experience with it.
1: So when I ran it, it was miles 8 through 10. It's now miles 13 through 15, I think. Something like Something that, like yeah. that. Um, But it was probably the mm-hmm. best two-mile stretch of the entire marathon other than the finish line. Sure. Um, because you come off the base where it's fairly quiet because you're on the right. base. There's not a whole lot of people there, and you come down, and there's – there's bands, there's you know people with signs screaming, even if it's not your own name, they're screaming at you, telling you good job. And there's just this an electrifying feeling running through downtown yeah. um, that is not mimicked anywhere else within the race. Now again, they've moved it and shifted it towards the, the second half of the race, sure. which is needed, but you know it still provides that electric feeling. And when you're running, it doesn't matter if it's mile eight or mile 15, you need that boost of energy, especially if you are on the slower end of the running spectrum as I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't really want to drive 23 miles, so running it, or 26, 26, whatever it is, yeah, point, for a marathon, yeah, point two. I don't really want to, I can't imagine running it. Yeah. Uh, so, and we have a, again, that's not an event that we put together. Correct. Uh, the marathon's done by the Air Force, but the fly zone is done by a really dedicated group of residents and people who have done this for a long time. They've really got it honed in. And it really is a boost of energy it's a like a party in some of the neighborhoods downtown it's just i was fl- floored by how awesome it was when i saw it so that gets you through set the first part of september September's a busy month for us uh we get then to the sweet corn festival oh, sorry, that was in
1: august yeah sweet corn's right, the last so Back up. Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. sorry
0: chronological so we went uh, i had him at order <laughs>
2: airborne then sweet
0: so we go bluegrass then we go sweet corn, sweet corn. Sweet corn yeah. uh, talk about the sweet corn festival and that's a different thing because it's a different location than where we yeah. hold some of our stuff. So talk about that. So, uh,
2: Sweet Corn Festival is one of those events that's uh, kind of done by a, a citizen's group, and it's the Fairborn Art Association. And uh, we, we have the support role. Uh, it's always been more of a support role, but it's uh, it's hosted at our park. It's hosted at Community Park. Um, so for that event, we, do, we help the, uh, that committee totally redesigned one of our biggest shelters so they can have you know all of their stuff under there and uh we help them with lining out getting all the vendors in there and then schmidt's sausage company comes in and we set up a huge tent for them and bring in all every picnic table at community park on the bottom ends up on the top right and uh the parking is the, the the craziest part about that at the end of the day the parking is the craziest part because we take the whole other side of the of community park and we establish lines of parking with pennant flags and try to keep everybody parked but you know there i go back into that you know we're not real good at teaching kids how to park cars so <laughs>
1: sure
2: uh in years past and you wouldn't think it would it would be an issue but it seems like rain has always it's always rained on that weekend right and uh, the nature of how they bring the corn out there, they set a semi-trailer out there in the middle of that park, and it's always been, you know, are we going to be able to get that thing out of there? <laughs> but it, it's a great event. It brings so many people, so many people. It's,
0: I, it's our largest event in yeah. Fairborn by far, I think, Yeah. just because of it's in a bigger area, a lot more to do, and it's just a really well-done mm-hmm. event. Now, yeah. we I've been known to see some folks from... Uh, The Parks Foundation, Park Rec Advisory Board, and Parks Department selling root beer. Yes. Uh, Talk about that. That's a fundraiser for the Parks Foundation.
2: So, uh, I I will usually organize that with uh, a local entity to get the, uh, and I usually send someone, or in the years past it's been me, we'll go with someone from Parks Foundation, and they will purchase, we'll purchase a whole pallet of IBC root beer. (laughs) And uh, there has not been one year that I have not, seen that we've sold every bit of that root beer but yeah that's that was another one that was an ice a lot of these events and i didn't mention it earlier ice is the big thing because we you know we're icing down beer we're icing down root beer and so we have kind of budgeted in the last several years to buy some really really big ice machines (laughs) and we've kind of placed them like we've placed an ice machine at the street department we've placed a nice machine at the garage try to you know because
1: strategically yeah
2: because you know a lot of the events are downtown and we're going across town to get ice but um so yeah uh we Alicia you I apologize that's me it's all good <laughs> we've, hit, we've
0: hit an hour
2: hey. um so alicia would have these big huge gloves that she would right. put on and they were super thick it looked like she was on deadliest catch getting ready to pull a crab <laughs> over the rail but she would get in there and, and get that root beer out of the, but yeah we uh park foundation park board we would run volunteers for the root beer and also help them with schmitz and we would have them busing tables or you know help them with orders so
0: so i put me down for another shift this year of selling root beer i really I kind of like that. Well, first I'm an extrovert, so I enjoy just interacting with people. But you know, you see those gloves that Alicia was wearing, and you're like, "That's ridiculous." Until you try to reach down in there and pull some of that reaper out, and you're like, "Well, wow, that's genius." Like mm-hmm. that's her because you would be blue, yeah. completely blue, up to your elbows if you didn't do that. We so. saved them. <laughs> perhaps you know we have we have some folks running for public office this year maybe they'd like to volunteer selling absolutely here. <laughs> and do it as part of their campaign
2: I, I don't know I would assume they're going to have the sweet corn eating contest but I don't know if they're going to or not so
0: I've heard it's going to be a cornhole contest instead of sweet corn yes eating, so. yes
2: uh, yes one of our council members had approached me at one of the meetings because he sits in on that and he asked me about the logistics of setting up a cornhole tournament and uh, so I'm going to work with him to where we can make that happen
0: and I'm sure we have some really good cornhole players in our
1: Oh, I you know, bet we do. They probably <laughs> take that on
0: no problem. So now we're into October. And anybody knows anything about Fairborn. October's a big month here. Uh, talk about Halloween. And that's, again, another event that we don't put on. We certainly support and do a lot with mm-hmm. it. But talk about Halloween and, and what that means here.
2: Yeah, Halloween is one of those events that the city supports. Um, that one was always a big one uh because of the nature of who was running the event they would kind of over oversell what they could provide and then by means of that i mean electricity so that was one of the the thorns in our side was electricity because as much as we like to plan for how we would like to set up our downtown with regards to needs right i mean some of the things that they were asking that we have no sure. no way we could do that but yeah that that was always a big event uh, that gets brought in. I know uh, we had assisted with the parade and the parade would usually start from the YMCA and it would come down Central Avenue and end there downtown. Um, but yeah, that's that's one that we support. Um,
0: I'll tell you, we do a great job with the, uh, the parade and the children's costume contest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there several times throughout the years I've been here. And I will say that folks in Fairborn, or at least the folks that come to that contest, take that very seriously. Very seriously. Uh, more so than anywhere I've ever been in terms of costumes. And it is some of the most realistic, intricate, like just, they do not do anything halfway. It is an impressive lineup, if you will, of some of the things people do is really ingenious. Scares the living daylights out of me, some of it, because it's so realistic. But we do it different than anywhere I've, I've seen. Yeah.
1: And if you, one of the things that most impresses me about that event is just the number of people that participate. I mean, it, it just boggles my mind. I mean, people love to do it, and it's, you know, they dress up their kids, they dress up their pets, they got the Springfield Balloon Company that, I mean, they make humongous, like, balloon costumes, and it just, it's amazing to see, and if nobody's, if you've not ever been to that, like, that is something to see that friday night of the halloween uh, festival so there's a
0: story and it could be a urban legend but i'm told that there is a group from san diego california that flies into dayton or fairborn specifically to come to that event event every year Uh, they came one year happened to maybe they were stationed here with the air force uh, moved away they come back every year because they so much enjoy going to that event really which is fantastic and Halloween Town USA is the domain sure. that we own, we so do own it. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we'll use it one day. <laughs> and you know, it'd, it'd be remiss we didn't mention kind of the reason why we became Halloween Towns. Mike Foy and Foy's yep. uh, Halloween Store. I mean, they they've 90, been a staple downtown for
1: plus years. I think.
0: Yeah, it's a third. Mike's the third generation owner. Uh, just a, a just an anchor in our downtown. So mm-hmm. it's hard. and
1: for as much as people come for the festival, they also come to see you know all of Mike's set up that he has Absolutely. you know at his houses which is always a draw too so
2: i i, I remember we would go down there just to see the, dr creep
1: if yeah. you remember
2: yeah. the yeah. local celebrity and i always would have the, the scary movies and dr creep was always down there on friday night
0: i saw eddie munster there a couple of years ago yeah so and his car yeah. Munster come in so
1: yeah.
0: it's a great what a great draw for for us and then the last event that we do to end uh, end a busy busy year as we do tree lighting and then we started to do a horse drawn parade talk a little about that
2: so uh, several years ago uh my, the uh, my assistant superintendent you know she's she's really into the horse parade was always at lebanon so she had brought come up with this idea to have a horse parade here and it grew exponentially and uh, some of the carriages and the, the intricacy of these carriages and what good shape they're in and the size of some of these draft horses is amazing and uh it's grown so much we we take up the entire government center complex with the staging of these and it's grown to where now we're staging them out on third street before we even get near and if we get many more we're gonna have to look for somewhere else to stage them which is a logistical nightmare you know with the police but uh yeah we usually the right after thanksgiving and then last year we started before Thanksgiving, we'll start decorating downtown. So we'll decorate all the trees, all the light poles up and down main street. And then, uh, we've had a program since I've been here where, uh, we'll ask, start asking in late August, early September, it'll get put out asking if anybody in town would like to donate, uh, their pine tree. And, uh, we have a lot of stipulations, and a lot of people don't like some of the things when I go visit them, what I say, but you know, it has to be a certain kind of tree and it has to be in a certain location where it's safe for everybody to, you know, do it. Uh, when I first started, uh, the Fairborn Cement Company would help us out, and uh, two years ago, they couldn't do it for some reason, so that goes back to us figuring out a way. So, in house, we actually made cradles out of uh, steel and Bathtown or Zeny Township has been gracious enough to let us use their truck and trailer and we'll bolt those cradles in and then a local contractor has been, you know, gracious enough to let us, you know, use their crane. So we've been doing it all in-house. The last three years, we've done it all in-house and uh, we get PD involved and we kind of plan out the map depending on where it's at and the path of least resistance. And I'm still ner- a nervous wreck that entire day until that thing is in that hole up downtown so yeah that that's a good one and uh then we spend the rest of the month trying to get ready and then when uh santa claus says go we we fire it up
0: (laughs) and that only includes just the lights you put on the christmas tree we also do all the street trees downtown yep we the city manager is such a tyrant that he asked for more trees (laughs) to be placed down there so we do a lot with our downtown it looks gorgeous it's Picturesque
1: Norman Rockwell type stuff.
2: See, uh, manager came around. up with a good idea though last last year that we started wrapping the trunks with a different color, and yeah. it made a difference. So
1: I actually had someone <laughs> who drove through Fairborn that isn't from the area. It was a friend of mine. They said it actually looks like one of those Hallmark small town, you know, like the Hallmark movies a small town when it's all decorated for Christmas, and uh, you know, it's just it looks it is picturesque. It's it's beautiful, and um, it's. Probably one of my most favorite times of the mm-hmm. year, just Absolutely. to to drive through, especially at night with everything all lit up. And uh but yeah, that's it's good. And I, I must say, watching you guys take down the tree and then move it, however many miles across town to actually putting it in, is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> the first year I saw it, you were I think you were even at Kevin Nepp's house. Uh, taking his tree down on the hill yeah, and just to see that thing that was a big tree but i mean even last year's tree was yeah. massive my,
2: and my first year we ended up taking a tree down and it was the housing development off of traybine road so i was trying to plan the best way and uh so we ended up coming out traybine and down 235 and I was panicking about it. all the lights and all the power lines, and I didn't even think about 675. And that tree <laughs> came through there, and it pounded 675, and then there's branches. So, yeah, it's. I know before I came here, uh, it was several years they had gotten a tree that was really big, and DP Nail had to come in and get out in front of us and push the power lines up so we didn't oh, tear man. them down.
1: And they don't move fast. I mean, it's no. that truck moves yeah. Very slowly, but you know it's totally worth it. PD
2: has been fantastic with helping us with the you know blocking the streets and stuff. So, and usually, knock on wood, it's been a really nice day when we do that.
1: Yeah. So. A couple of years, it's been pretty chilly. But. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, as far as it's not pouring down the rain. <laughs>
1: right. That's right. true.
0: So this may be the last year that we actually get to have to have a live tree downtown. We'll throw a little tease out there for maybe some changes coming that could be. It's gonna get be people interesting. All mad at you Uh uh-huh not necessarily
2: (laughs) well i will say though uh i've i've been doing that for seven No, this will be the seventh year and when i first started it was a a huge list that we would have to go through and i would have to kind of weed them out and these last two years it's been like i I hope this tree is the tree because it's the only one we get to choose from so
0: and somehow it always seems to work out yeah and
2: we do a good thing because a lot of these people want these trees gone and we'll cut it down at no charge of them we'll have the stump ground at no charge of them and we'll actually you know re-institute grass we'll seed straw if we need to haul in topsoil so it's a win for them and it's a win for us so i mean it's it's a great program
0: good so chris we've gone through about everything i can think of with regard to parks and rec and appreciate your time anything that we've missed anything you want to say that uh, you didn't get a chance to say, or we something that we didn't get to cover?
2: No, I mean, I just – I really enjoy what I do. I think we're unique, like you said, and especially the the, the department how diverse we are and what we take care of. Um, I think we got a lot more to do, and I'm, I'm glad to be on board.
1: Thanks,
0: Chris. Megan, you got any final thoughts?
1: No, other than check us out on our social media channels, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I do want to say, if you want to check out the parade commentating this year, for 2021 exceptional you can check it out on our youtube channel because it's there
0: <laughs> and maybe in the show notes for this episode we'll put some pictures of the christmas tree will, and some yeah. of our events
1: and why well, i think i think we're going to add some special 360 photos of our parks uh within some of the show notes to where you can access uh, some of those great be really cool awesome
0: chris thanks buddy appreciate you thank you, it. Thank, you. Megan, thank you yeah good time. Uh, this has been uh, the government House podcast we'll see you around town